You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And I've got a problem with soccer to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. the champions youtube friends dropping your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons as we preview the world cup final qatar 2022 we're trying something a little bit different today in the house of champions we have of course jonathan johnson michael hood golf clap for both of them but we also have from in soccer we trust well, I'll be goddamn, we got Heath Pierce in the house. How you doing, Heath Pierce? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You know, this this show just got a lot more handsome. I'm just going to point that out real quick. I don't know how or, or why, but it did. It must be that Qatari time that you've got on you there. Okay, if you're an American soccer fan that follows the Stars and Stripes, make sure you check out another great podcast in the CBS Sports Podcast family. That is In Soccer We Trust. Of course, we're doing a simulcast with In Soccer We Trust right now. So welcome to all of you here to our House of Champions. Heath and his two former U.S. Men's National Team teammates, Jimmy Trashcan Conrad and Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. They cover every angle of the American <laughs> game with a perspective that only they can offer. So download and subscribe to the In Soccer We Trust podcast anywhere you find this one. Heath, to your followers and your listeners who are coming over to House of Champions, do you have anything to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just good to see everybody, obviously. And I'm excited to bring some of these communities together. Obviously, we're get closing in on the end of this, <clears throat> this World Cup and have a couple matches left in this one. But, um, you know, after that, we go back to, to, the, to the club game, all right, with the international break. So it's good to have some exposure into uh, House of Champions and everything you guys are doing over here. Yeah, well, listen, we welcome you, obviously, all of the In Soccer We Trust guys and everybody who's following and liking and subscribing across uh, YouTube and podcast platforms. Welcome to everyone. Uh, we like to put our CBS Sports family together. So whether it's the morning, whether it's the afternoon, whether it's the evening, I see you in the chats. All right, just calm the nerves right now. Welcome to the House of Champions. We appreciate you tuning in no matter where you are in the world. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Uh, JJ, how you doing, man? World Cup Finals right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. Like Christmas, it's, uh, you know, it just, it just, I don't know, it's it's starting to get exciting now. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, France-Morocco was a, a game that was loaded with emotion. And I think that people were expecting it to maybe boil over a little more than it did. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's definitely sort of a, a palpable feeling of uh, anticipation now growing ahead of Sunday. 
Well, we've got a comment in from Patrick. He says, Argentinian here. I'm so nervous for Sunday. I could pee myself, as could Michael LaHood. How you doing, Michael? I, I almost peed myself because I the accent you were doing sounded like my next-door neighbor down the street. I'm not going to name names because he probably watches the show. Very Southern Texas accent there. Well done to you, Ian. And also... What's going on? Chivas USA in the house. Hey, HP3, Jimmy Conrad, Chivas USA alumni. But furthermore, is it Sunday yet? Cannot wait for the World Cup final. I remember those days, the Chivas <laughs> USA days. Oh, my word. Jesse Marsh and all that. Sasha question. Wow. Heath Pierce, you were out in Qatar. How was your experience, man? It looks like you had a good time. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it, 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 I had a few different experiences uh, so far, right? I went to France against Poland, obviously France and Poland, neither of which played super great throughout the throughout the, the match. It was a very dull atmosphere. I was kind of like, this feels like the uh, International Champions Cup friendlies where you'd kind of, it was like a lot of people there to see the spectacle of a few players, Lewandowski, Mbappe, these types of things. And then so it kind of lowered my bar of expectation of what to expect. And then I went to Lucille uh, for the Argentina match and it was an insane atmosphere. I mean, unfortunately, I had a seat next to God at the highest level of the stadium where I, I could have seen it better from the TV, uh, but an insane uh, build of a stadium atmosphere was great. It felt like there was some actual consequence. And then the Morocco France game, that was absolutely ridiculous. And I feel bad uh, for, for, for JJ knowing that like I expected France to turn up in a, in a certain way throughout the tournament, but man, Morocco, every time France touched the ball, it was Incredible. But what I what I would say from having been in those matches uh, live is both Argentina and France have this industriousness to them. Maybe that's not the right word, but the, just this ability to understand the, the flow of the games. Yes, uh, Morocco had had some opportunities uh, during some vulnerable moments for France, but it's not like these teams are playing uh, teams off the pitch. They're not playing beautifully. They're not trying to play with this certain level of what you get at the club game where it's like entertainment plus function uh, that you get from the man cities of the world. It's very industrious. And the fact that they're playing smart, they're playing disciplined and uh, teams are still getting opportunities against them. And so when I look, when I think about this, this upcoming final, I'm, I, I'm not sure which way it's going to go because there's not one clear favorite that I think obviously you can break down every player and we'll get to that in terms of vulnerabilities in the teams. But overall, these teams are just playing very intelligent and smart. And what I would say aren't even the best teams at this tournament, but they find themselves in the, in the final with an opportunity to, to, to hoist this massive trophy. Yeah, it's certainly a bizarre World Cup. I mean, especially when you look at the location this World Cup is being held, but also when in the calendar month that we're actually holding this World Cup. It's an unusual competition, but we have seen some surprising results. Of course, we've seen some terrific performances along the way. I thought Argentina were special in that semifinal, probably their best performance so far. But I agree with you. I'm finding it really hard to pick a team that has a slight advantage going into this final. I mean, all across the pitch, JJ, it seems very equal. And... Um, Maybe after that semi-final performance, I would slightly be leaning towards Argentina and Messi and Alvarez and the way that they performed, how well they defended. They looked like they put out their best performance and France didn't really put out their best performance, yet they're still in a final. So am I right in saying that, that maybe Argentina could be a slight favorite here? I mean, I think there's different ways of looking at it. I mean, the fact, I think the fact that France are now in their second consecutive final, some people will argue that makes them favourites. But also at the same time, when you look at the players that France have lost and the fact that they've still managed to come this far in a World Cup, uh, you know, I think you could also argue that that makes them, I mean, not underdogs, but sort of slightly less fancied the, than Argentina. I mean, certainly based on those two semi-final performances, uh, you could argue that Argentina are a slight favourite, but we spent every round of games up until that semi-final 
arguing that uh, Argentina hadn't quite caught fire yet this uh, tournament. So, you know, I think it's uh, perhaps a little bit of, of recency bias to suggest that Argentina have maybe been blowing everyone away um, so far in Qatar. It's, it is a really difficult one to call. I mean, it's very, very tight. There's obviously two superstar names, Mbappe and Messi, going at it. Uh, the only thing that I would say is that I think it's maybe slightly less pressure on France, given that people didn't expect them to defend their crown, yet here they are still in a final. Whereas the narrative since the beginning of the tournament, before the tournament even began, is Argentina will be winning this. This will be Lionel Messi's final World Cup and it will end in success. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's very little margin for error uh, on the Argentine side. Uh, I always give the beneficiary to the team that has more bite and more just a bit between their teeth. I think Argentina, I would give them the slighter edge because they have something to prove for France. If they don't win this world cup final, Hey, the defending champions to get back to a final Didier Deschamps, what he's done with some of the injuries it's not really oh, there as on, much Lord. as it was before. I'm saying, man. Don't start saying, like, oh, I'm, yeah, guys, we know what. We won the last one. We made come, it to a final. Let's all just, you know, I'm, let's I'm just, just be, saying that uh, Argentina, I give Argentina the slighter edge because they have something to prove. Four years ago, France had something to prove. They had a new generation who had something to prove. Paul Pogba was a player who had something to prove. Samuel Untiti had something to prove at club level. With this France team, there's a harmony about it that's gotten them very far. But this is an Argentinian team that will kill someone to get a World Cup, and that's and they will do it for Lionel Messi. It's been said throughout the country. They will do it for Lionel Messi. They will, but I mean, it just it's always... You know, if you go back to the history of of even back to to 2014 with this with this Argentina side, there's always been this whole one more thing for Messi, one more thing for Messi, and then it was then it was the Copa America finally, right? And that was the thing that cemented him as the guy. Um, and now he finds himself in this situation. Obviously, there is the storyline being written about that, and I don't think uh, Mbappe has been particularly great or Dembele, but if they are. If they do have the match that they're capable of, they are very hard to stop. And then, you know, obviously on the flip side, I thought Kunde really struggled in the in the Morocco match in terms of 1v1 defending and making big plays. But France has really? have a little you bit. You thought of, he struggled, Heath. I thought he was brilliant. No, I thought well, he I had, thought he that had moments. I agree with you. I, I thought there was times that he made me very nervous in terms of his decision making, especially in and around the box, close to penalty er- the area, getting right. beat and those types of things. Obviously, over that type of match where he was facing kind of an overlap or a two against one for long periods, it was it was a, a, a tough go. But I thought that he actually, he was, at least from my perspective in the stadium, um, whenever they got isolated against him, I thought that that was their best opportunity to, to, to create something out of that. But again, on the flip side, France has, has so many... So many options. They obviously, if they can put out their best team, I think it's a very different France team than we saw in the semifinals. Um, and then obviously the, the 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 Benzema argument. I don't know how real this is. I'd love to know what JJ's hearing on, on his end. Uh, but if France can put out their, their best team, which they didn't in the semifinal, it's a very different team than what we saw um, in, in the semifinal. Sorry for the final. No, it's a great point. And JJ, jump in there. Please let us know what's happening health-wise. Are they back again, Rabio Palmacano? And then let us know what's going on with Benzema because these rumors are they're getting me a little spiced up. I mean, let's be brutally honest. Is Upamecano coming back into the starting 11 a good thing? Does it make the team stronger? I honest, Honestly, I don't argue that it does. No. I, I think the rumors that about Canate picking up uh, a bit of illness, uh, which is obviously sweeping through the French squad at the moment, I think that would be more of a worry. I mean, if Rabiot is fit enough to go on the pitch, I think he walks back into that midfield. They did miss him against Morocco. But Upamecano, I genuinely, if unless he absolutely has to be put out on the field, I genuinely wouldn't start him. He hasn't looked convincing at any moment so far 
about this tournament. I mean, Fofana also of... didn't seem great, right? I mean, did did, did, did he yeah. seem comfortable mm. to you? Or, I mean, what was your Fofana, take on... Fofana yeah. struggled against uh, Tunisia. I thought he looked better against Morocco, but still the, the midfield struggled generally against Morocco as opposed to, you know, the authoritative moments that, they, that it had against England. Um, you know, but I think uh, so much of that defensive solidity relies on uh, Rafael Varane, who is, you know, suddenly in much, much better form than we've seen from him in recent years. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, I, I think there is a little bit of time, uh, you know, for these players to, to get over the worst of the illness, uh, you know, that is going around. But obviously, if France were forced into some last minute changes, you know, Deschamps likes uh, continuity, uh, and I think he will have liked what he saw from Varane and Konate. And if he can put them back out on the field together, uh, you know, I think he, I think he will do. I mean, you know, being weak on either side is the the price that you have to pay for somebody as marauding as uh, as Teo Hernandez. You don't get that opening goal against Morocco if you don't yeah. have somebody as attack minded as him. But equally, uh, you know that you're going to be vulnerable against teams looking to to create chances going down. Uh, you know the the left side of your team, and on the right, I mean, it's you know Deschamps likes to insist on trying to play these central defenders in fullback roles. So I think it's natural as well that that Kunde is going to look a, a bit shaky as well. So you know, it's it, it's an obvious weak area for for France, and it is when you even look at the depth chart. I mean, even the 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 outstanding picks in those positions are arguably not as world-class as some of the other talents in some of the other areas of the pitch. But, uh, you know, I do think that Deschamps will now want to make as few changes as possible in an ideal world going into this game. Now, JJ, I got a question for you, and, and, and this could be for the wider group if it makes sense, but looking at that last match and the way that the referee just let the game play, right? There could have been 25 yellow cards in that match that didn't happen. He just sort of kept leaving those yellow cards to later. It's the thing we all want until it actually happens and you keep going, that's a yellow card challenge. That's a yellow card challenge. When you are looking at uh, Argentina and the way that they're willing to play, you know, Argentina just generally, they're willing to play physical. They're willing to play hard. They're willing to get into that. Yeah. Do you think you're taking pieces of that uh, knowing that you're going to have a completely different referee in this final and, and the tactic of being able to just kill attack, slow things down um, against this France side? Do you think that's an opportunity for Argentina to execute against? I think it is, but, uh, you know, Argentina are going to have to be careful sort of how much they kind of bring like the trash talking, the the mental mind games uh, into this match because they've shown uh, against the Dutch that, you know, they don't like it, uh, you know, when, when teams try and give them a taste of their own medicine. So I think that France, especially when you look at the way that guys like Griezmann have, you know, started to show their teeth in the last couple of games, you know, I think they'll be, they'll be well prepared for this. They'll, you know, they will compete. Um, but, I mean, obviously, um, you know, you could say that the refereeing in the last couple of games has been of a similar standard. You know, the, we saw the referee let a lot of things slide in the game between England and France. Same between Morocco and France. But also at the same time, a lot of people are up in arms about challenges that I, mean, I really don't understand why some people are complaining about it. There was a great tackle where Amrabat runs back, uh, you know, basically yeah. to the edge of his own box, makes the tackle on Mbappe. People are raging about it. I, I mean, to to my mind, it was a good tackle. I mean, certainly yeah, given the circumstances, yeah. uh, you know, and I don't want, don't understand why people were, you know, shouting for a red card, saying that he's, you know, completely broken Mbappe in uh, in half. I mean, I know that it ripped his boot, I think, <laughs> and he had to change it afterwards. But you know, it's a, it's a World Cup final, if you're not, uh, yeah. semi-final, if you're not going to put everything on the line, you know, when are you? 
I, I think Argentina will have watched the tape of the Morocco-France game and have taken one thing out of it, which is look at every Argentine players, especially the defensive players' boots before the game. A player that you and I both played with, Atiba, um, Atiba what's his name? Hutchinson? Not Atiba Hutchinson. Harris. 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 Atiba Harris. Yeah, Atiba Harris. And this is a small <laughs> story. Atiba Harris used to wear these metal studs that looked like machetes. And when he tackled you, you felt every single bit of it down to your bone, down to your kneecap. This is a game where Kylian Mbappe will have to be, will literally have to have a bodyguard behind him because the Argentinian team will take what Morocco did to Mbappe. Morocco kicked the living, can we cuss, shit out of him during yeah. the second half, ripping shoelaces. They're going to get physical with Kylian Mbappe. And when you do that, you see the France team wilt a little bit. When Morocco did that, France were kind of on their heels because every time Mbappe got the ball, he was getting swarmed, he was getting knocked over, and they were counterattacking. I hear you, Mike, but you still got to catch him first, right? I mean, the guy is just unbelievable. And I think you, you got to remember that discipline is going to play a big role in this game, how the referee handles this game, how players handle themselves in this game. Because very easily in the first half, I mean, we've all been in that position where you can lose your temper very quickly when it comes to highly competitive games. I mean, this is a World Cup final, so it's something completely different from what we've experienced. But we've still been in those positions where it's pressure positions and you can lose your temper and cool and discipline very easily so it's important how the referee handles this game JJ are you just going to shy away from my Kareem Benzema question or what no 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 uh, go go for it What's, what's happening there? I mean, because I keep on seeing, obviously, they were asking Deschamps about it. He didn't want to answer the question. He had a sly little smile there. Um, I'm here in Real Madrid. I've given him permission to go join the camp. Like, what's happening here? I mean, I wrote a story about this uh, the other day or tried to write and explain a piece on it. When Deschamps opted to not replace Benzema in the squad when he when he pulled out injured, that meant that Benzema essentially stayed on the list. You know, he wasn't going to be part of the squad for the tournament, but he is on the list. So if France actually win on Sunday against Argentina, you know, Benzema will get a winner's medal. So I guess you could argue like in a technicality that, you know, Benzema wow. could rejoin the group, but would, would Deschamps do that? Would he, you know, re-add, you know, let's be honest, quite a complicated piece to, to, to bring back in, uh, you know, for the biggest game, risking, you know, potentially, you know, disrupting the, the chemistry. I'm not arguing about, you know, whether, you know, Benzema can potentially bring on, you know, br- bring something to the game if he came on as a substitute, but he has missed out on the entirety of the tournament. You know, he's completely isolated, cut out of that environment that, you know, has grown as the tournament has gone on. And, you know, Deschamps is one of those guys who didn't even want to have uh, a 26-man squad to, to start with, which is why he was happier working with fewer players, because he's been able to give everyone at least some small involvement to make them feel like they're part of this group. Suddenly, if Benzema comes, he's, you know, almost obliged to send him on at some point uh, and it's a very very difficult thing to, to to balance because you know Deschamps has curated this uh this this mentality he's channeled that 2018 winning mentality the chemistry against all the odds because I I certainly didn't fancy him to you know to to rediscover that uh at this mm-hmm. stage four years later yet here we are he's led them to another final that you know chemistry has you know been re uh, unearthed phenomenal and it's yeah, I mean, it is it is phenomenal, and it's much to Deschamps' credits. And then suddenly throwing in a really, really big fish like Benzema, even if it's just for a matter of hours, uh, you know, it's in a game where, you know, Benzema, Ballon d'Or holder, if he gets anywhere near the pitch, would want to try and, you know, make the headlines, seal Good his, uh, you know, international legacy. Because let's be honest, if Benzema doesn't join up with the French squad for this game, or, you know, he does, but he's only watching on from the stands, 
Karim Benzema's international legacy, when we look at his career, will be split into bad luck because he was injured and missed this tournament and inc- insane stupidity because he allowed himself to be associated with the Valbuena blackmail scandal. Good it's, choice of words there, JJ. <laughs> but it, I mean, that, that's, that's what it comes down to. He's a player who arguably, ta- based on talent, should have a World Cup or a Euro title to his name, but won't do because of, you know, when these things occurred in his career. Uh, you know, and yeah, it's it's a real shame, uh, you know, that, that he hasn't been able to feature at Qatar because of that injury. But credit to Deschamps for making light of, of his absence, uh, you know, yeah. managing to, to create this potential uh, ambience between the players that, that could see them, uh, you know, win a second title in a row. Only the third nation to, to do that in the history of the World Cup if they are successful. You've already pointed this out, JJ, the fact that these injuries have occurred and the timing that they did occur. It's been a little bit of bad luck and misfortune, but in many ways that brings the group together. Heath, you've experienced this, I know, with the national team when two or three big players go down missing and you think to yourself, oh man, how are we going to be able to compete without him? And then all of a sudden the team comes together, you start to build this chemistry and then you're thinking, how can we throw him back into the team because we're playing so well right now? So I think it's obviously an interesting position for them to be in. I do love the fact that Deschamps has done so well with this squad he has built a chemistry he's built a team he's built a unit and it's not necessarily built just about Mbappe being the main man it's not it's other players stepping up and doing their role and again look at what happens in the semi-final you miss a Pamicano okay he was shocking in the game before against England but you miss a Pamicano taking a piece out of the puzzle like that could be problematic but no next man up next man mentality steps up does the job and and of course they did the same in midfield even though in my opinion Rabiot has been absolutely brilliant real quickly before we do take a quick break here um, Michael I'll come to you on this one here Argentina have done so well and um, obviously we will all talk about Mille- uh, Messi and how well he's doing and, and obviously this is his team but this is Scaloni's team what has he done to transform this team into such a force that they are I mean realistically that performance mm. in the semi-final was one of the best performances I've seen Argentina put out there I think it's Scaloni's willingness to play young players when you look down the spine of this Argentinian team there's a lot of veteran leadership that 2021 Copa America team that is the spine of this team but look at the breakout stars Julian Alvarez 22 years old Enzo Fernandez 21 years old Alexis McAllister 23 years old former Argentine managers wanted to play stars. They almost had to play the big names. Martinez on the bench. Di Maria on the bench. Papu Gomez on the bench. Paulo Dybala on the bench. This is down to Scaloni's way, and this is his team, of he will put the best players who bring out the best in Lionel Messi, not the big star names. I think that's been the difference. Yeah, I fully agree with that. That's really well said, uh, Mike. You know, obviously, the hard part comes in this period, and we're seeing this with with, with these quote-unquote goats of the game, that can their production be supported by the fight of the team? And eventually you start to have the next generation of stars, right? We see this a lot at the club level, but at the national team level, there's still this belief for Argentina to win something for Messi. And when you see Messi's efficiency in the national team, there is a willingness. And you, you, you see this some with France, but you're seeing France with maybe two players not tracking back, maybe three players at times not tracking back. Argentina have Messi. He's the only one. The rest have to fight. They have to defend mm-hmm. like hell. They have to cover that gap. And he is going to walk. He's not going to defend. He's not defending for a single moment unless it's somewhere in and around the box. And I think that belief system of players, Scaloni being willing to put those players on, those players understanding what the role is in these moments. And that's just a small example doing the work for, for Messi. But it's an example of people buying into the game plan and how important buying into that game plan is. Because we all know the game at this level, at the international level, especially at this round of the World Cup, 
If you give somebody an extra inch and you're not collective in your press, collective in the way that you move, you get beat. You'll get broken on the press. You'll get broken through the middle, through the wings. There's that much quality on the field. So that buy-in, that belief that this team has, maybe doesn't necessarily make them the favorite in this game, but it's what's gotten them to this point. Now it's a final, you know, we, we generally see in finals, it's a little more of a chess match. Teams tend to sit back. They're not going to be open and exposed. That might play into the fact that, that uh, France can cheat up with, whether it's Giroud or uh, Dembele and Mbappe cheating up a little bit higher on the field to catch on the counterattack for that one or two bad turnovers to, to, to put the game to bed early. Uh, but, but I certainly think that that belief from Argentina um, – is all coming back is all coming down to the manager and his willingness to make sure that the players on the field are willing to do the work and that it's that there's only one ego that gets to exist there and that's the messy the rest of it has to be working with that that's yeah, well said. And it's almost as if they're playing around to that. Everybody respects and understands what their role in this team is to make it successful. You have to play and mold yourself around what is successful for Argentina. And they are working it to perfection, especially when it comes to major tournaments right now. All right, quick whip around before we do go to break. JJ, I'm coming to you first here. Who wins and why mm. and how? It's a, it's a good question. I've been playing it over in my mind. <laughs> I might take it. Uh, well, the, the thing is, pre-tournament, pre, 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 pre I, I went for Argentina. So I'm kind of, I, I didn't back France to go all the way to the final. I definitely thought they had the tools to get to like a quarters, maybe a semi, but not all the way here. But now from what I've seen, I mean, it's going to be really, really tight. I think it's going to be won by one goal. Um and to be honest, I'm leaning towards backing France now for this. Ooh, JJ, 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 wow. you must still be on the wow. French wine, man. I'm going to send you a box of Argentinian wine after this World Cup. To I, I mean, I mean, I'm going to win. Man, I've, I've been so controversial at every turn of this tournament. My family tell me I can't come home because I wasn't bothered <laughs> about, about France beating England. Like, I'm a. I'm an Englishman in France, but when I when you offer me the choice of red wine, I like to go for Malbec, especially if ah, I need to meet. Oh, wow. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm controversy ridden at every turn. <laughs> oh, JJ, I think you make a a very valid point for France. The fact that no one expected them to be here, but this is an Argentinian team that is peaking at the right time, and they have the right manager who's getting the most out of the team. <clears throat> and I look at the fact that it's not just Messi. It's not this the Messi dependence that we've seen before. You have young stars who are writing their names in history. And I think the likes of Julian Alvarez will take that next step. We've seen it with Argentinian teams before. It's not just the big name. It's not just Maradona. It's the rest of the company that have to deliver. And I think this team will deliver to get across the finish line. Yeah, for me, this this comes down to what I think is going to be on-field tactics, in-game tactics that are going to happen, right? It's going to be, again, if France sit with players up and, and Argentina are sloppy with one or two passes, we've seen it. I don't think Mbappe or uh, Dembele have been uh, very clinical when given a lot of those chances. They've gotten a lot of chances in and around the goal, thinking they're going to get a lot throughout the tournament, and it hasn't necessarily been the case. Obviously, Mbappe's been clinical in his finishes, but if they are able to capitalize on those, I could, I could truly see this one going going to France. I had neither of these teams going into it. You know, I was part of, in the camp of, this is the French uh, uh, implosion World Cup before they go and do something great in the next one just because of the injuries and the concerns around that, and then Benzema out, and all these changes uh, when you look at the five or six players that could be starters in this team that aren't actually in this World Cup. And then you have this Argentinian side, again, very industrious in the way that they're playing right now, but not, aren't particularly fast in transition, don't have the speediest of players on the field. Alvarez, obviously, with the two goals set up um, by Messi, one of them with a, a whole bunch of the FIFA 23 video game luck of running through a bunch of players. But <laughs> overall, not one that I fear of, like, France 
being overexposed and Argentina being able to sort of run him down to the to the touchline and, and score that goal. So it's a little bit of a weird one, and I'm and I'm torn. However, I'm actually going to go with France in this one just because of the pure fact that I think that they have in a game where there's not going to be a lot of opportunities. They have what I think are more uh, X factor game changers that can put away uh, put away the game with a single moment of brilliance than Argentina. They've got Messi. He can do it all by himself and he can do it against anybody in the world. But I'm going to go with France considering the finals of it. But I do truly think this is going to come down to who sort of sets up the most clever way to find those gaps and and, and capitalize on on the weaknesses of these teams because neither of them are, are are even close to perfect in the way that they've reached this final. And now they find themselves a final in 90 minutes plus 10 plus another 10 in the second half, plus potentially uh, extra time, plus penalties, as we know, happen in these things away from uh, winning a World Cup. That could be the case as well. It could go to extra time. I mean, I very much could see a draw over 90 minutes in this game. We go to extra time. It could end up down to penalty kicks. I mean, these teams are very evenly matched. I do shade in the favor of Argentina. Um, They are, in my opinion, put out their best performance. They are defensively better as the tournament's gone on. They're a lot more solid. They're they're difficult to score goals against now. Um, But France... You can never, ever rule them out. I love this team chemistry. I mean, the team bonding after the games are finished, the way they're celebrating, bringing in legends to the locker room and this type of celebration, that te- that type of team chemistry is so difficult to break because they are fighting for everyone. Whereas I feel like there's more pressure on Argentina. Of course, France feel that pressure too. They're the holders and looking to retain. But Ian, I, just, I didn't know you considered uh, uh, considered Macron a, a legend uh, going into the locker room. <laughs> I, wasn't, I think uh, he was talking about Blaise Matuidi. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I didn't know Heath Pierce, you know, uh, you know that I didn't play for Hansa Rostock, right? You know, I played for some. <laughs> always, uh, oh, you right, can right, stick right. with your Macron <laughs> following over there. I'll be on the other side still. Uh, listen, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for, so much for your comments. And uh, we're going to just touch upon the game that nobody really cares about. That is the third place game that's taking place on Saturday when we return. You're watching House of Champions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, don't stop watching the world's best soccer stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live on Paramount+. Plus. It's soccer's ultimate annual competition, not for country, but for clubs. Sign up today for 50% off an entire year using the code ALLYEAR at ParamountPlus.com slash sports. Welcome back. You're watching House of Champions. Michael LaHood, Heath Pierce, Jonathan Johnson in the house. Uh, JJ, we had some very sad news this morning that came out. Um, really terrible. Sinisa Mihailovic passed away at the age of 53 after a long battle with illness. I mean, free kick specialist. What an outstanding player. Certainly controversial player, but this is just dreadful news that was breaking this morning before we touch upon other stories around the World Cup. Very sad indeed. 
Yeah, absolutely. Very, uh, very tragic. And unfortunately, you know, we've been hit by a couple of doses of really bad news uh, during the World Cup in uh, in the last week or so. Uh, you know, like like you already mentioned, you know, I think uh, when when you're talking about some of the best to have ever played the game in terms of free kick taking, Mihailovic is certainly up there. I mean, I remember him being an absolute mad dog in Serie A, uh, you know, sort of during the 90s. Remember his spell with Lazio, but he was, a, you know, a very underrated coach as well. I mean, he was in a job, I think, uh, up until the end of last season. So, you know, obviously, Obviously, uh, unfortunately, things accelerated and, uh, and 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 reached this point in a very short space of time. And you know, it's a big loss not just for Italian football and Serbian football, but I think the the global footballing community as well. Yeah, very sad indeed. Um, let's move on. Let's get back to the World Cup. And obviously, uh, we all pay our respects to those who have fallen recently. It's been very sad. Some terrible news has been breaking around the footballing community, the footballing world just over the last month. It's been unbelievable. The amount of people have been passing away. So another sad one indeed. All right, let's get back to the World Cup. Let's get back to the golden boot and the golden ball race here. Michael, coming to you first here. Golden boot. We got a race Ooh. on our hands because there yeah. are pretty much four players who could win this. I mean, if you look at who's sitting on five goals right now, you have Messi and Mbappe sitting on five. Yeah. And you've got Julian Alvarez and Olivier Giroud sitting on four right behind. I mean, either of those players could win. Uh, this is why, this is what you want if you're a neutral. This is why you have the final. And I mean, just scripted for one of those players to step up to just win that award. I think the golden boot, I see it going to Lionel Messi. Um, I see the golden ball should Argentina win going to Lionel Messi. If France wins, Mbappe gets both. I think that's going to be the matchup that decides this World Cup. Really? Wow. Mbappe yeah. to win it? It's, it's, it's interesting I that you say this because we've, we've had a couple of debates give it about Griezmann. it. Really? I, I think it's got to be Griezmann. Uh, you know, what, obviously what Messi, Messi, Messi does the job for Argentina that Griezmann and Mbappe together have been doing for France. But I mean, I really think, I mean, it, Griezmann, to be fair, has a really good shout to, to win this title, regardless of the result, because I, I think without Griezmann, France don't reach this final. Uh, but, you know, the because of the overriding narrative, if Argentina win, if Messi is the one who scores the goal and, you know, absolutely cements his, uh, that you know, that golden boot ahead of Mbappe by one goal, then yeah, sure, I can see the, the award going to him. I debate whether... Uh, you know, Griezmann deserved to miss out. But if France win, I, I think Griezmann absolutely has to be player of the tournament. And, and like Mike what? said, I think this game will decide it because I think I can only see it really having maybe one or two goals in it, uh, you know, maximum. And I do think that, you know, Mbappe and Messi are the, the, the best shouts to, to score those goals. So it could be a question of whoever scores on Sunday uh, will mm -hmm. win the Golden Boots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. That's what it comes down to for me is, is the Golden Boot's going to come down to who scores. I, I do believe one of them score um, on Sunday. And then I, I agree with JJ when it comes to, to, to the Griezmann. Early on in the game against, against Morocco, Griezmann had a couple sloppy turnovers. And so be, because of that, I started watching him a little more intently during the game. And when you see the timing of his runs, the way that he breaks press, just the little things that he does that I think we see in, we saw in Modric for the last like five, six years, that movement off the ball, all the things that are really hard to – quantify in terms of the impact on the game that he's doing right now it's unbelievable on on the so i would say mbappe if he scores obviously um the team that wins it but if, if argentina wins it then i think you're going to see messi with two giant trophies and then a bunch of other giant trophies and then in a week we're going to see him in his trophy room with 40 <laughs> or 50 or 60 of the trophies that he has cementing that goat status as a little bit of like a tip of the cap to ronaldo but um that, i think it's going to come come down to that i don't think there's one clear 
clear uh, winner. But I, I do think if it goes towards France, France wins that World Cup, then I, then I could see uh, Griezmann, Griezmann getting that. Well, question for you guys. Go ahead, Mike. What if Mbappe, what if Mbappe scores a game-winning goal? You still give it to Griezmann? I would. If it's a one-nil game and Mbappe scores, unless so he has a minor if, if, if Griezmann assists it, then it makes yeah. the job easier. Yeah, that's fair. Part of me always feels like Cup these final. Are, yeah, part of these always make me feel like these are always sort of semi-summed up already. Obviously, we're yeah. talking about over a over a tournament. There, there is an early recency bias in in the knockout rounds and things like that. But yeah, it's a great question, Lude. I, I I don't know, man. I don't know how that. How I that think works. someone's going to be so, sad. I think the thing is, though, we know that, you know, barring, uh, you know, some sort of unthinkable scenario, Mbappe is going to play in future World Cups. Messi is not. I think that's why the narrative is, you know, so much stronger around Messi should Argentina win. Whereas I think it would be easier to to recognize the role that Griezmann has played as well as Mbappe, uh, you know, if France come out on top. Uh, Mike, real quickly on your question right there. um, Is this the best we've seen from Mbappe in this competition? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't think so. I think he was more electrifying. Answers your question. Eighteen, but if he does score the game-winning goal in the World Cup final, that is MVP status. That As JJ touched maker. upon, no, Michael, you, you're watching a France side that pretty much wouldn't have got to this final had it not been for the top-class performances that we have been seeing from a player who, in many ways, yeah. has been starved of playing time at Atleti because of the stupid contract situation, but also a little bit of freedom from him playing in this France team. Mm. He's so free. He's playing with a smile on his face. He's celebrating with his team. He looks like he's back to his best. Uh, outstanding performance from him. And I think, obviously, there's been some other players who really deserve recognition. Uh, Chao Meni has been brilliant to watch and also getting forward. Watch out for him at the weekend. He loves have a shot from distance and then uh rabio again i hope he really does play because he was a big miss as far as i'm concerned in that midfield all right let's touch upon the game real quickly on the game that nobody really cares about or remembers who actually wins that's the third place game heath i'm coming to you first because you got a big smile on your face it's croatia against morocco what are we expecting from this game who wins I mean, honestly, this is this is a massive deal for Morocco. I think um, yeah. just seeing the way that they've come to life, seeing uh, what it's meant for for African football, what it's meant for for the uh, Arab football, all of these uh, storylines, seeing the, the support in the stadium. I mean, it, it truly brought me back to thinking how big home field advantages in these World Cups of just seeing that. I mean, when this stadium is going to be absolutely jam packed, ninety nine percent. Moroccan fans and it's going to be rocking. I think it plays well into their advantage as well as their history, their storyline and um, cement themselves in that history. Right. If they if yes, nobody really cares in the way that they would around the final. But for 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 a team like Morocco, who uh, by and large looked like they belong in a semifinal of a World Cup for for a lot of this World Cup, they weren't like this, you know, team of destiny or this like Cinderella run type thing. The more that you saw them, the more that I watched them, the more that I realized just how actually good they are. This is a chance for them to prove that in a game that maybe others aren't aren't paying attention to or caring as much, but will certainly uh, create a um, you know a, a national holiday uh, in the country of Morocco if they win this one. Uh, I will definitely be on that first flight to Casablanca to celebrate should they win this. I was thinking about it regardless. So thank you for saying that, Heath. You read my mind. I think this is massive for Morocco, and I love that you said African football because. Look at what they've done to get here. It's not just the players on the field. It's the investment in the youth. Four years ago, these were players that were young players and they were invested in. I think it gives the blueprint for four years from now for African soccer with the expanded field for the FIFA World Cup. And I think I always go back to my home country of Sierra Leone. If you're an African country and you're watching this World Cup, 
believe in the youth. Invest in the youth. Morocco is leading the way, and I am pulling for them to get third place because that is deserving of their run at this FIFA World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Mike raises a really relevant point, and I don't want to take away from uh, Regragui and uh, what he's achieved with these players, but there has to be some credit as well to Hervé Renard and then uh, Vahid Halilodzic, who... Although they didn't lead Morocco at this World Cup, they played a large part in convincing some of those players, some of those dual nationals to, to commit to playing for Morocco and enabled uh, you know, Rigragi to have this squad, this very talented group of players in front of him to choose from. Uh, you know, and after that, it's uh, you know, it's all been about him. And you could tell in some of his um quotes from the press conference building up to the semi-final against France, uh, not necessarily how much how in awe he is of Didier Deschamps, but how he's very much a student of Didier Deschamps, the way that he forms his squad at international level, how pragmatic he is uh, about them. I mean, he said himself he started out as a coach paying attention to what Pep Guardiola was doing, but then has been more won over uh, you know, by Deschamps, certainly obviously with the the fact that he is part French as well, uh, you know, has uh, has helped and that's in able to him to to sort of gain this additional insight uh, into what it takes to to make a team successful on the international level. And I think, you know, finishing third place at this World Cup would really, you know, just be the the feather in the cap. We we just have to hope that, you know, this is the beginning and not just a one-off, both for African football and for the Arab Uh, you know, like that performing, uh, you know, at a similar level in future World Cups, uh, you know, but this is their best chance to to claim something meaningful. And I'm not saying that, you know, finishing fourth or being considered the fourth team at a, at a World Cup is not meaningful because it is, you know, they've already written themselves into history. It's just such a good opportunity. I wouldn't call it a second bite at the cherry because obviously it doesn't compare to a final. But, you know, when you're looking at what Croatia have left to play for, sure, it may well be the final time that we see Luka Modric out on a football pitch uh, at a World Cup match. But I I feel that Morocco have so much more to play for. The only worry about them is how fit some of these players are. We saw Aguerd pull out, uh, you know, in the warm-up before the game against France. We saw Saïs only last 20 minutes. Some of those players were absolutely, uh, you know, knackered, uh, you know, during the game. And, you know, they really gave everything. And I I hope that they still have something left in the tank for this game because, you know, Croatia, I, I think... You know, if if it really comes down to fitness levels, stuff like that, you know, could maybe shade this one. Uh, well said, JJ, and also the pronunciation, superb, I must say. Uh, real quickly here, Heath Pierce, I'm going to come to you on this one. Croatia-Morocco game does have an American official. Armando Villarreal will be the support Ooh. video review, but also to all the in-circle we trust, uh, viewers and subscribers who are tuning in here. Let's talk about this real quickly as we go to our final thoughts. Um, in the, the, the World Cup final, you also have um, Kyle Atkins as the offside video review. You have Fernando Guerrero, the Mexican, as the support video review. And then you've got Ismail Elfat, who is the fourth official. He, this is a big deal. We're seeing Americans getting involved in a World Cup final. Congratulations to Izzy and all the officials who are involved. It's a pretty big deal. It is a big deal. I mean, I wish it was players uh, playing in a World Cup final. Uh, but if this is where we got to start. This is where we got to start. But look, I, I was part of – I was doing uh, um, MLS 2 games three, four years ago, whenever it was, four years ago, when they were starting to do the the, the bar review and they were testing mm-hmm. it and they were doing all these things. And, and, and the reason I say that is it was a long time ago that the U.S. was starting to implement and learn and train these types of things. And so they've always carried themselves to a high standard at the, at the officiating level. Now seeing the league increase in its competitiveness and its complexities and, and the quality of our referees to be rewarded with, with um, positions in these final matches, I think is, is a great step forward because 
better officiating is only going to increase the quality of our game in North America um, across the board. And, and hopefully, again, from an inspiration standpoint, I know a lot of people don't wake up when they're young and say, I want either want to be a referee or an astronaut um, or a firefighter. Well, you, you'd, it, you'd, hope, you'd hope so based on some yeah. of the refereeing we've seen. Yeah, you know, I, I you know. And I, sometimes I know with some of your comments, yeah. I think you're about an astronaut. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 don't think, I don't think people necessarily wake up wanting to, to, to do that, but I think – uh, you know, coaching is a major issue in the U.S. in terms of the quality we've got to implement at the at the lower level, as well as officiating. That's a major thing that needs better improvement, and that will help to uh, improve the overall football or soccer experience at the youth level. That will drive more fans, and so there's a there's a uh, snowball effect to all of this stuff that I think is really really important. So I'm 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 really happy to see that. Michael, there's no doubt that you've come across Ismail. Uh, he's from yeah. Texas, right? And also, I'm sure you've got a yellow card or a red card from him. <laughs> um, all three. You can check that off the list. No, this is a big moment for not just the U.S., MLS. Um, I think city like Austin, LFAF from the Austin area. But, Eth, you said it really well. I think of VAR. When you look at VAR, the controversies around world football with VAR, MLS actually does a pretty good job with regard to VAR standards compared to other footballing leagues around the world. So congratulations to this refereeing crew. And could we be setting the table for four, for four years from now when we have an all-American crew or an American referee refereeing another final? Uh, JJ, before we go, we got to get a final thought here. FIFA have um, obviously announced this uh, crazy situation with the club World Cup and club tournaments. And I'm getting confused. I'm getting dizzy. I'm just getting news as it's breaking right now. But we had a short discussion, of course, ahead of uh, the show beginning here or the roll in here. And um, it seems like it's going to be an interesting situation for club teams. I mean, we're, we're talking about more games for players, more games for club teams, more confusion. Obviously, it's a financial thing, I would imagine. But I've already heard, by the way, it's in the U.S. <laughs> You're happy with that? <laughs> That's what I want, you know. JJ, am, am, I happy, am I happy with it? I mean, honestly, uh, I know Heath mentioned it already. It, it smacks very much of uh, ICC. Um hmm. You know, that as much as people wanted it to take off, didn't take off. Uh, and honestly, I feel that until these games really matter to every club competing, uh, you know, it's still not going to catch on. There's a massive gulf between how seriously a lot of the clubs take it, notably from Europe, and say how seriously the South Americans take it. Maybe people need to be reminded that, you know, technically it is the only way that you can prove that you are the best club in the world if you are the title holders of this because you come up against the best clubs from every continent. I th Honestly, I think even there, you know, it's kind of tenuous. So to add more clubs to the mix to make it more of an event is a bit of a nonsense, especially if the timing doesn't change because the timing, I mean, I think it's just running into to Christmas. English, I mean, you know, Premier League clubs, any clubs that play through the, the festive period are not going to take it that seriously. We saw that situation a few years ago where Liverpool had a game in the Club World Cup and then they had to send the reserves to play us, to play yeah. Villa in the in the FA Cup. Honestly, it's just it's just nonsensical. It's uh, yeah, for me for me it's it, it's a non-starter. I mean, in terms of sort of globalizing the game and taking the inevitable step towards expanding towards uh, you know places like America and getting meaningful games there, you know, obviously this is a sure. this is a solid concrete step. But is it something that I think ultimately fans will appreciate? It, it really depends on how seriously those clubs will take it. Mm -hmm. Michael, anything to add there? No, 
Um, okay, thanks. thanks JJ's got it. <laughs> JJ added it. You, you, you guys hang me out to dry every time. Oh, I always JJ, get the difficult question. have a great answer. Sometimes just yeah, leave it alone. What if we you just and Ian have the funny accents. You and Ian have the funny accents. You've got to answer the hard questions about football. You know, We're new to this thing. You know? yeah, we no, just needed a hot no. take from you, JJ. Thank you. We got I'm gonna, honestly, I'm going to move into politics at the end of this season. It's like asking me like uh, to speak with all this wooden language all the time. Infantino is hiring you at some point. I'm telling you, is going to convince you at some point to join the team so hey listen Heath Pierce thank you so much and to all those out there in soccer we trust fans and viewers and subscribers we appreciate you also feel free to jump on board with House of Champions and likewise from House of Champions over to in soccer we trust they do great content obviously you're getting it from the best players who have been there lived it and done it around the US men's national team but also around US soccer they follow all the players and I don't know if you noticed yesterday Heath Pierce James Sands was back in club action for Glasgow Rangers yesterday they got a 3-2 win he didn't play a great game yesterday James but he got a win you come a lot of the European players at the European based US players as well which is great you have a lot of great interviews right yeah we have a good 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 bit of interviews some great guests most recently had uh, Gio Reyna um, uh, be, before the World Cup started not since then I uh, would love to get him on again but we yeah, have a great range of guests covering um, all of the European football through the lens of, of the US uh, national team fans so yeah come on by and and, uh, and and give a listen or a watch a quick question for you, Heath, before we go. And uh, oh, we gave no. Charlie a bit of a grilling the other day, so don't, so don't, so don't worry. It's not going to be. It's not going to be another repeat of the Gio Reyna debate. It's not coming Actually, home, JJ. It's not coming home. No, that's, that's it's, it's, it's not. It's not going to be that either. But uh, okay. no, serious question for you. Um, mm -hmm. Balogun uh, of Reims. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a possibility for the USMNT to, you know, to put a cap on him at some point. For me, I, I think he solves a lot of the issues uh, in the striker position. Uh, have you heard any sort of serious, meaningful chatter that the USMNT uh, in the next sort of 12 to 18 months might be looking at him as a, a potential solution to their attacking issues? I haven't heard anything official. Obviously, I think the statement of his still leans heavily towards wanting to play for 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 England. Um, and and obviously the gap that he has to go from being one of the top scorers in Liga to to what would qualify him to, to for a call up as as an established player. Obviously, he's not 18. He's not 17 years old. So he's getting to a point where he's going to have to make some decisions. I think he would solve a lot of the problems. People argue that he's more of a midfielder or a deep lying midfielder height striker hybrid. And now he could play in, in different types of systems. But I think the U.S. would be would be honored and lucky to have a player of his quality that's in great form right now. When you look at the World Cup, it's easy to look back and say, man, he would have been a difference maker. But I think in general, the recruitment process of a Yunus Musa and others that are showing that this project is on is well on its way to show this young squad and the performances that they put together outside of the Netherlands performance shows that there 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 is a project to be part of, um, and it would great it would be great to have him now whether whether or not. Uh, that's because of his inability to get into an England side or, or, or it's his realization that if he wants to be in a World Cup or if he wants to achieve certain um, childhood dreams that the U.S. is the best chance of doing that, I think we'd be, we'd be lucky to have him. Especially the World Cup in the U.S. I mean, that must be a great pull for a lot of people out there. If you're going to play for a national team to do it in the host nation as well would be something really unique, really special. Could you imagine that, Heath? Can you imagine yes. going on the jersey in the <laughs> I mean, U.S.? I mean, those 94 guys were so freaking lucky, man. Yeah. Ah! 
but the, but then does he look at Peafock and think is it worth <laughs> is it worth the hassle because he's yeah. got he's, he can he can potentially go for Nigeria as well. Get the Peafock yeah. out of here, JJ. We gotta go. All right, we're forty eight minutes long here. This is supposed to be a thirty minute show. Heath Pierce, we appreciate you. Michael, Lee, we you. appreciate you. JJ, as you. always, we appreciate you. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to How's the Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube. We'll be back again pre-World Cup final on Sunday and also post-game as well. So we hope to see you then. Uh, but for now, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for watching. In Soccer We Trust and House of Champions. See you next time.